we present Genius, pronounced Genius. Here is your host, Dave Gorman. Hello, I'm Dave Gorman and welcome to Genius, the show all about your ideas. Every week, myself and a celebrity guest discuss and dissect various ideas, be they inventions, gizmos or gadgets, plots, policies, schemes or scams. We do this because we are on a mission to uncover that rare gem, true genius. Every week, the Team Genius computer is inundated with emails from people who think they might be geniuses, but some are keener on getting on the show than others. Like a certain Gary Barlow, for instance. Presumably not the Gary Barlow. <laughs> who emailed us this week saying, Dear Genius... Please, 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 can I come on the show? I haven't got any genius ideas, but I bet I could beat you to game of stone, scissors, paper. I'll start with paper. Over to you. Gary, scissors. Of course, we do have a selection of people here who have bothered to send in actual ideas. And to adjudicate on their merits, I'm pleased to say we have a guest of proven genius. He's a man of many talents, a polymath, a modern-day Renaissance man, writer, scholar, linguist, actor, musician, comic. It takes a true genius to fuse all of these skills in one, as this man does when he performs Rock Around the Clock on the ukulele in Arabic. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the genius that is Rob Newman. Rob, we know that you are a genius, but have you got any genius ideas you've had recently you'd care to share? A genius idea of practical application I have concerns the railways. I think that train carriages should no longer be divided by class, but by ethos. <laughs> Coach A should be the Ibiza phone party carriage. <laughs> Coach B should be the eminent Victorian scientist carriage with burgundy leather armchairs, an open fire and glass-topped display cabinets full of entomological specimens. And Coach C is the hobo carriage, and it's just full of straw with a big sliding barn door, and you can only hop on when the train slows at a corner. Allow me to explain proceedings, Rob. Uh, we're going to present you with a selection of ideas. We will find out which of them you think are truly genius. At the end of the show, the audience will then decide which of your two favourites is the most deserving, and the winner will take home the genius trophy. When I went to pick up the genius trophy from the man who made it, a shiver ran down through the length of my spine. He was a spitting image of Michael Douglas. <laughs> Our first idea comes from someone who has been on the show before. Uh, she was deemed a genius that time, but did not go on to win the trophy. So let's see how she does this time. From Oxfordshire, it's the known genius that is Jennifer Russell. Dear genius, go into an old folks home and you'll find them sitting watching Deal or No Deal on TV. Instead of watching daytime TV, get the oldies to watch a bank of screens showing CCTV footage... <laughs> of their local town centres and trouble hotspots. <laughs> Whenever there is bad behaviour, like dropping litter or a bit of murdering, <laughs> whichever lucky old person happens to be awake at the time can report the crime and win a prize. <laughs> hey, presto, 
trouble-free streets and pensioners with a purpose. <laughs> Clearly resonating with some people in the room. Rob, how, how do you feel about this? I diverge from the audience. Jennifer Russell, there is so much wrong with this idea <laughs> on so many levels, but I have an amendment which redeems everything. Now, let me start with what's wrong about it. Senior citizens have worked their whole lives for other people, looking after other people, and now in their final years they get to live for themselves alone for a little bit, and you want to put them back in harness, and you don't offer them money, and you don't offer them fun. Now... Here's my amendment. CCTV bingo. <laughs> In front of each pensioner is a bank of CCTV screens. On their table is a bingo card and a pink dobber. On the bingo card is a list of nefarious activities they may see. Robbery, burglary, drug dealing, pimping, corporate manslaughter. <laughs> the first pensioner to shout house wins. A friend of mine, seriously, who's with me tonight, Julie, had the same idea, and she suggested stabbing and urination as two of the activities. You, you made that sound like it was one crime. <laughs> like breaking and entering, stabbing and urinating. <laughs> Sends a horrible spasm down me. Um, I'm just not sure that certainly of the... the uh, older generation of, uh, that I'm, I know, um, that they have the descriptive powers to help the police to actually solve these crimes. Spotting them is one thing. My gran takes two days to describe the plot of last night's hustle. <laughs> I can see there being difficulties with making it actually workable as a, as a crime solving. But we have the technology nowadays. It could be like a big red button and then everything else is streamed to some information centre. And there could even be a loudspeaker so Sid or Vera could shout out stop doing that you young hooligan. And a, and a loudspeaker coming out from oh, the... Oh no I, I can see that system being abused. It's, it's what... <laughs> It's one thing hearing uh, a random old man suddenly shout at you, Oi, don't drop litter. It's quite another hearing your grandma say, You never thank me for the book token <laughs> just because you happen to wander into her CCTV screen. I can... Do the positives, do you think they're going to outweigh the negatives, Rob? No, it's the fact that the pensioners have to do this thing. And you, you said it gives them a purpose, but I, I don't think they've got... Sorry, but... it, it could be optional, and you could lay it on, like, a coach trip to a special place, and you could lay on fruitcake and a tea dance. <laughs> My problem with making this optional is that you know, OK, they'll, they'll go part-time, they'll do it at certain times a day, but there are some shows you won't take them away from. Criminals will get wise to that. They'll be the countdown crime wave. <laughs> Everyone knows when to go out robbing houses because they're all watching countdown. <laughs> ding a ding a ding 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 Out they go. They're finished. <laughs> but it is not my choice. I'm, I'm not a genius. I'm just here to try and chair proceedings. Uh, the man who is a genius is, is Rob Newman, and we have to ask him for a yes or a no. OAP CCTV, genius or not? No, no, no. I'm sorry, but no. I'm sorry, but no. So near and yet so far. Never mind. Thank you very much, Jennifer. All the same. OK, Rob, let's see if our next idea can persuade you. It comes from Neil Collins of Dis in Norfolk. Dear genius, with the proliferation of media channels today, we're using up a vital cultural asset, swear words. 
When I was a child, there were words you just didn't say or hear. Nowadays, you hear them all the time, and their impact is lessening. My genius idea is to invent a new swear word and have it adopted in the English language. Now, to be honest, I haven't actually thought of a word yet. But it's only a matter of time, and I'm in deep research. <laughs> OK, um, clearly... There are difficulties talking about this on the radio because there are certain things that we can't say, OK? Uh, there are two words in particular that are not going to be said this evening, uh, but I am going to show them to the audience... Uh, ..on a card. Um... <laughs> you won't be hearing that word. <laughs> or that word. And I think the fact that the audience laughed and even applauded those words <laughs> illustrates your point. <laughs> so, Rob, do you enjoy swearing? Is there any value in swearing? I have been thinking along similar lines to you, Neil, but I've come to different conclusions. So I'm recalibrating down to 1940s words. The blimey, the blooming, the ruddy, <laughs> the flaming, the blessed and oh my giddy aunt. <laughs> Neil, you said you've, you've done some preliminary work, but you haven't come up with the, the... But you have some prototypes. I have been working on it, yeah. The closest I've got so far is spag. For the, 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 spag. The, defini the definition of that is the act of affection between man and vacuum cleaner. <laughs> uh, well, we, we did think we could maybe try and workshop a new word tonight. Great idea. And things. Uh, Rob, would you mind helping us mm -hmm. with this experiment? Uh, I'm going to just go to the, 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 the easel here. I know. Um, uh, we've, we've taken some syllables from current swear words with the good hard sounds and the, the kind of vaguely offensive feel to them. Uh, we've divided them into three bags. OK, uh, so Rob, we're going to do a sort of lucky dip and see if we can build a word. Any syllable you like or, out of, or part of okay, a word I'm out of bag one. I'm in bag one. I'm going to take out one of about 12 syllables. Fli. F-L-I. Okay. Fli. We've got F-L-I to start the word. Go to bag two. Go to bag two. Aplinsky. <laughs> Aplinsky. <laughs> OK, no, no, we could stick here or twist. <laughs> We've got F-L-I-A-P-L-I-N-S-K-I. Flia Plinsky. Flia Plinsky. Are we happy to stick or do you want to twist? Twist. We'll add, another, we'll add on another syllable. Go to bag three. Ipple. <laughs> well, let's just put a, a P-P-L-E on there. So our first new word would be Flia Plinskipple. <laughs> OK, look, well, I think we should try and build another one just so we've got you some You lose a lot of the force and the threat in all those plosives. <laughs> you say, you've, they've gone and you've disappointed me. I'm going to have to flee a Plinsky apple, you. <laughs> a first syllable for the next one? Crap. Or cra. C-R-A. C-R-A, OK. From bag two. Bag two. T. <laughs> Crat. Crat. How do we feel about crack? Is that...? Twist. Most people are going for twist, OK, we'll, we'll keep going. <laughs> Holy... 
Okay. Neil. Flea Plinskipple or Kratthole? <laughs> no, I think by pure random fluke, Kratthole is the new swear word. Okay, well, there you go. Thank you very well. Well done, everyone. Oh, well done. Um... I, I have to say, I did honestly feel like the hand of history beating over us <laughs> when the word Kratthole appeared there. I felt like we, we were there on the night. However, Neil, it, it was a modification, it was a reform, it was interesting experience, but the fact that you yourself did not come up with the Kratthole, you being a bit of a Kriaplinski yourself, <laughs> means I cannot say that it's genius. Uh, I think I was the, the, the spark that lit the flame. Neil, you're not a genius, you're a Kratthole. <laughs> we thank you for coming all the same. Uh, our next idea comes from Dave Robertson, who is from New Zealand. Dear genius, hitchhiking is a great way to travel cheaply and a good way to meet a random cross-section of society. Also, if more people hitchhiked, it would cut down on car use and public transport. So, I'm suggesting rebranding hitchhiking as the green thumb travel technology. <laughs> Hitchhikers have a special transmitter that sends a signal to passing motorists through their sat-nav systems or the radio. This signal would carry salient facts such as current location, destination and interesting personal attributes. The genius of this idea would be that it improves safety and efficiency of hitchhiking, entertains drivers and be better for the social dynamics of the highway and the environment. So basically it's using your thumb to reduce your carbon footprint. Rob, any uh, hitching experience? Yes, I've hitchhiked a lot. When you hitchhike, and hitchhikers like myself, like you, have an optimistic view of human nature. And that is because we meet a broad cross-section of the nicest people in the world. They are people who stop for you, even though you're dirty and it's raining and, and you're fiddling with yourself. <laughs> and, right, and they stop for you. If those people are stopping because of your use value, because you're entertaining, value, do you know what I mean? then we won't get... It won't be such nice people stopping and giving this. There'll be something in it for them. Um, so that's, that's one worry I have. I'll, I'll throw it over no, to no. you. I'd like yeah. to come back to this, because it opens up very interesting areas. Well, I think there should be something. Because you don't really see hitchhikers very often anymore. In the 70s... I've never seen them in Britain. Yeah, in the 70s, they were everywhere. And now you sort of view them with suspicion if yeah. you see one. Well, everybody it's like watching someone so. using a, a payphone. Sorry. <laughs> Where did they come from? Have they texted out of a time machine? What do they, they not understand? If it helps to regenerate the, the concept of hitchhiking, then, then maybe it's got more strengths and weaknesses, because I see the benefits you're describing, Rob, in hitchhiking as it is currently, except the hitchhiking as it is currently doesn't happen. Can I just ask you, on a practical, technical level, Dave, is it like a, an electric pack, the thing that's sending the stuff out to the sat-nav or to the car radio, what's that... Gizmo look like? Well, or... it's about the size of my uh, little fingernail. He's holding up a huge little fingernail. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's maybe we'll try role playing this. Okay, so um, if we imagine that myself and Rob are uh, driving a car, Dave, you, you can play the hitchhiker. Okay, so we'll, we'll just start the car. There you go, so it's myself and Rob, we're, we're, we're driving along. And, and we see a hitchhiker by the side of the road. Oh, look, Rob, ah, there's a hitchhiker. Do you think we should stop and pick him up? Yes. 
because apparently, according to the sat-nav, he's got a very entertaining story about carrots. <laughs> uh, Dave, would you, you, you can come and join us in the car. We, we've got a microphone we can use here. Righto. <laughs> hey, can, how you doing? I'm can my you name's shut Dave. the door again, mate? I'm not sure you shut yeah. that properly the first time. Sorry, I'm sorry. I just worry about it the whole journey, otherwise. I'll shut, I'll shut the door again. That's better. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how, how you doing? Uh, oh, good, thanks, mate. Yeah, good. I, I'm Dave, this is Rob. Oh, hi, Rob. Hi. You doing all right? I'm doing all right. I'm slightly expectant, though, <laughs> about an orange vegetable. Do you know where I'm going? Uh, oh, um... Well, I, I think you might have my information mixed up with another hitchhiker. Uh, damn, this system just doesn't work at all. Oh, uh, I'm actually a stand-up comedian and uh, I've got a personal fortune to give away to a random person. Wow. Oh, my God, watch out, there's a cyclist! Oh, no. That's me thrown out of the cool eco-crowd. <laughs> it, it didn't go that well there, Dave. Because of the conversation that you started, we've killed a cyclist. <laughs> responsible for that. Well, it was your idea. <laughs> it was looking like a really good idea until we put it to the test. Yeah. Um, OK, Rob, I mean, how, how do you feel? Have you... I think I've heard enough. <laughs> I think Dave Robertson has given us an idea replete with genius. There you go. Killed a cyclist, but you're still a genius. <laughs> OK, well, our next idea comes from David Aldridge, who has travelled all the way from London. Dear genius, I think we should organise an expedition to claim the East and West Poles for Great Britain. <laughs> Where are they, you might ask? Well, just follow the Greenwich zero degrees meridian down until it meets the equator, then move 90 degrees along the equator to the left and you have the West Pole. 90 degrees to the right and you have the East Pole. My best guess is that the West Pole is off the coast of Venezuela and the East Pole off the coast of Thailand. It'd be very easy to claim these two poles with none of that silly struggling through ice and snow rubbish. <laughs> Let's do it. OK, David, I mean, that was essentially uh, your original email, but knowing you were coming, I presume you did a bit of research. Oh, yes, yes, so you... I, I've pinpointed them exactly. And uh, West Pole is just off the Galapagos Islands in the sea, and the East Pole is uh, between the bottom tip of India and Sumatra, again, in the sea. So, okay, so well, you wouldn't um, have to struggle over land or anything like that. My only problem with that is that they're not actually poles. <laughs> what do you, what, you, what, what you, do you mean? sort it, of it, fundamentally it, misunderstood <laughs> part of the <laughs> exploring mindset that Edmund Hillary climbed Everest because it was there, and these aren't there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. By definition, the, the, the North Pole is as far north as you can possibly go. Right? Yeah. And the South Pole is, by definition, as far south as you can possibly go, so it's yeah. down there. And similarly, the West Pole is as far west as you can possibly go. But you know, you, you can keep going west. No, 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 because then, then you're going you east. Can. Then, you can, you can keep going, going even further west. No, but then you're going east. It's, it's just the same as going over the, over the top of the North Pole. Yeah, if you go no. over the top of the North Pole, you're going south. <laughs> no, no, honestly, I, I swear. <laughs> when you're just north of the Galapagos Islands, at the, what you're calling the West Pole... Yes. You head west, you hit Ecuador. No, Do you want to have a look at the globe yourself? <laughs> oh dear, this, is getting this is getting complex. You've got, you got the old... you got the, the, the geographical... It was always going to get complex. <laughs> 
Do you share my reservations, Rob? Or Mr. Aldridge, <laughs> I am with you. Do not be intimidated. <laughs> Your excellent idea needs very little, but I'm running with just one little suggestion right, yeah. to just to get people like Dave fixed in this old way of seeing the world <laughs> to come with us, okay? You and me, Mr. Aldridge, we start going around and we buy up electromagnets. We don't draw attention to ourselves, we do it in a small way. We go to scrapyards, <laughs> we go to haulage sales. Sometimes we're wearing disguises, sometimes we're not. When we reach critical mass, we sail to the West Pole, <laughs> just east of the Galapagos Islands. We sail to the East Pole, just west of the Straits of Malacca. We then send out a video to the news stations of the world saying, this is the new pole. And people may say, oh, well, we're still going to stick with the old one. People might be stuck in the Gorman mindset. So we say, OK, <laughs> OK, you're free to Just before you do one thing, we've got a couple of people we'd like you to meet. The camera widens and we see a reindeer with a distinctive red nose and a man with a snowy white beard, a red coat with fur trim, wearing the East Pole logo. <laughs> this man now approaches the microphone and says, of his own free will, children of the world, all letters addressed to the North Pole will not be answered by Santa Claus or Father Christmas. I live at the East Pole now, closer to China, where the toys are made. <laughs> Isn't, isn't really part of the point of going and exploring and discovering these things that it was difficult? Okay. I, I'm going to stick a flag in the ground and say, right, I claim this part of the BBC Radio Theatre, it's mine. It doesn't work because somebody else already you are owns so this. so far from the West Pole. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think I know which way it's going. <laughs> it pains me greatly. I think you know which way the world is turning, baby. Yeah. But nobody else does, and that's my problem. <laughs> but, Rob, I ask you, is David Aldridge with his Let's Claim the East and West Poles a genius or not? Mr David Aldridge is a genius. There you go. Let's see how our final idea goes. It comes from Mr Tim Tyler, who in turn comes from Worcester. Dear genius... When proprietary cleaning products don't remove something, as a last resort, many people use their fingernails. So why not manufacture brushes with a working end made of real fingernails? <laughs> <laughs> this is a sensible idea we're bringing before you now, Rob. Surely this appeals. Uh, no. You can count... <laughs> Tim, you can count what's wrong with this idea on the fingers of both hands. <laughs> there are ten things wrong with this idea. We already have fingernails. Nature has given us not two, not four, not eight, but ten fingernails already for cleaning and stuff. Yeah, you're washing up, you've got something burnt on the bottom of a pan, the scrubbing brush isn't doing it. You do, you dip your little thumbnail in, but you're, you're kind of thinking, the other people in this kitchen don't know I'm doing this. Yeah, they, <laughs> they think I'm using the scrubbing brush. You then come away with a dirty thumbnail, which you're slightly embarrassed by. Far better to have a product on hand that you could just pick up, use, no shame, no embarrassment, no dirty fingernail of your own, just put it on the side and carry on. Saves you then cleaning your own fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> have you actually have you brought a prototype with you? Sadly, no. No, we have. I'm going to go to the, uh, the fingernail brush table. We've taken two washing-up brushes. One we've left the bristles on, and the other one now has fingernails. <laughs> OK. Um, 
<laughs> it's my the dream ne- come the true. The next sentence better not include my name. <laughs> <laughs> Team Genius, we sit down for breakfast every morning and, and this morning we had cereal and, and we didn't wash up, we've left the cereal to dry on the bowl. We've got a, a, a bowl of washing up water, we've got some detergent. OK, Tim, do, uh, well, choose your weapon. See which one is most effective at cleaning the cereal. OK, well, maybe part of the bowl on each? Yeah, yeah, go for it, absolutely. OK, here goes the, uh, the normal washing up. Standard brush. Brush. You're not getting very far with that, are you? No, not much look. Okay. Do you want to try the fingernail brush? A true test. Can you just confirm? People, I don't want anyone to think this is not. That's <laughs> uh, pretty gruesome. But... <laughs> yeah, you can hear the scratch. It is actually coming off, isn't coming it? Off. it... <laughs> I know it's not completely clean or anything, but genuinely, with, with the real brush he was sort of ran here and with the other brush he's ran here, and you can see it genuinely is cleaner. Weirdly, it passes some kind of test. Um, <laughs> although you have taken quite a few fingernails off as well. Um, I think we need to work on the fixing a little bit. Yeah, OK. Well, well no, thank you. At least it's passed some kind of road test, so if you'd like to take your seat again. Thank you very much. I really did not think that would work. Um, <laughs> but but the, there you go. Does that not help persuade you? It was genuinely more effective than the proprietary brush. On certain types of encrusted dirt, the fingernail might be more effective. And grateful I am to you, Tim Tyler, for saving me from having to do that with that <laughs> disgusting thing from unknown people's fingernails. I'm, I'm not... I'm, you can look at me as aggressively as you want. I'm going to... <laughs> OK, well, decision time. Genius or not? Not. There you go. Never mind, Tim Tyler. Thank you. <laughs> OK, well, we've heard all of the ideas and we know uh, which of them you consider to be genius, Rob. And uh, there were only two. And so, to find out which is the audience favourite, I'd like to invite Mr Dave Robertson and Mr David Aldridge to join me on the stage once more. OK, this is eerily familiar. I'm on a stage with two men called Dave. Um... <laughs> All those in favour of the East and West Poles. <laughs> and now, all those in favour of the Hitchhiker Assurance Scheme. <laughs> there you go, well... Well, thank you for coming, Dave. You, you, weren't, well, you were a genius, but not a trophy-winning genius. Thank you, all the same. Whereas you, Dave, with the Hitchhiker Assurance Scheme, um, how, how does it feel to finally prove that you are actually a genius? Well, it's a great triumph for hitchhikers and uh, carless people out there. And, um, yeah, that's very exciting. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. I would like to thank Rob Newman for being a genius guest. But we just have time for a few suggestions from tonight's studio audience, uh, which include conveyor belt pavements, <laughs> the air-conditioned sauna, and using a sugar refinery to make Alan Sugar nicer. <laughs> Good night. Genius was hosted by Dave Gorman with special guest Rob Newman. It was devised by Ellie Crockett and Dave Scott. The producer was Simon Nichols and I, Dave Robertson, was tonight's top genius. Thank you.